This episode of Educate discusses themes of sexual and domestic violence and rape, which understandably some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. If you are affected by any of the themes discussed in the episode, please find links to charities and organisations that can help you in the show notes. to educate the alternative classroom experience brought to you by me Katie Conn from my London living room. Now this week I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by the brilliant activist Zan Moon. So Zan runs Defend Her which is a campaign to end violence against women by sharing knowledge on self-defense and the campaign strives for legislative change within the school curriculum. Zan also runs Screen Grab Them, which is a movement that tackles rape culture in education. She's exposing online harassment, misogyny, coercion through picture evidence and tagging schools directly. So in today's lesson, we're going to be learning all about Zan's journey so far into the murky waters of activism. So welcome to the audio classroom, Zan Moon! Here she is. Thank you so much for coming in and teaching a lesson. Oh, wow. What intro. Can we just finish there? <laughs> yeah, mic drop, end scene. Yeah. Oh, that was very flattering. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, it's all true, isn't it? It's exactly what you're doing. So, I mean, I have at least 12 million gazillion questions that I want to ask you. But I think before we kick things off, just for the benefit of educate listeners obviously I know who you are um but could you please tell me just a little bit about your backstory and how you got into your campaign work at this present moment in 2021 yeah of course so a little bit of a backstory um I am a privately educated young girl who I mean I say that um and you'll understand why when I get into it I am obviously very grateful for my upbringing but having been through that system and being twinned with schools like Eton and Tunbridge I realized throughout my youth that toxic masculinity and rape culture was rife within private education and I also experienced a lot of sexual harassment throughout my my youth with those privately educated boys so I had been talking about this with friends as you do over dinner parties for a while and and kind of getting to understand that actually everyone seems to have a story it's actually unacceptable and then that YouGov study came out quite recently which said that 97% of 18 to 24 year olds have been sexually harassed and that was sort of around the same sort of time as Sarah Everard's death and all this kind of talk about Meghan Markle and it was a very strange time for me to be a, a woman experiencing these things so all of that kind of adding up together I felt sort of propelled to do something I was really angry and angry at the education system mainly which I think failed to protect us as women. So I decided that I was going to write a open letter to private schools 
addressing this problem of rape culture. And I was originally just going to write it to Tunbridge and Eton because that was my main experience. So I put a post out on my Instagram asking if anyone had had similar experiences with these two schools. And after a week, I had 14 pages of testimonies from nine different private educated schools and universities as well. And I just thought, like, I can't ignore any one of these every school needs to be addressed here. So yeah, I wrote an open letter to all of them in one go. um, And I listed all of these testimonies of sexual harassment. And I called them into action. Essentially, that was my aim just to ask them and urge them to make a difference and put in the the systems that are really necessary, or a basic human right for women, safety. Exactly. Um, I sent that letter out in March and it caught a lot of attention in the press and the media. And as a result, after that, I had a lot of interviews with journalists and a lot of discussions with parents and schools. And through that, I realised that I was still being questioned on some of the validity of the statements. Right, okay. I mean, that just right there pissed me off because... Knock, knock, knock. Is that the patriarchy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Firstly, if you've done your research, you'll know that the crime survey has released a study which says that men are 230 times more likely to be raped themselves than to be falsely accused of rape. So there you go. There's that fact. I'll just let that settle in. Say that again. Men are 230 times more likely to be raped themselves than to be falsely accused of rape. Oh my gosh. I never, I've never heard that before. That is absolutely astonishing. And yet there's such a shame culture and there's such a questioning of whether we're telling the truth or just attention seeking. So anyway, I was like, right, what can I do? And I thought of social media. I was like, you have a bank of messages and for far too long social media has been part of the problem so why not use social media to fight back and grab back hence screen grab them has been set up as a way to combat this and evidence all the different types of abuse that are it's very easy accessible is in our bank in our chat search in our facebook messages in our whatsapps in our snapchats we have all of this here as evidence just sitting on our phones why not use it and put and put it towards you know shining a light on on the real problem at hand here so that's that's a little intro into me i mean wow um so much to unpack but I want to kind of ask a bit more about screen grab them. How has that worked? So are you basically asking for a call out from anybody saying, please, can you send me your DMs and I'm going to expose them on my Instagram feed? How is that working? It is essentially a call out and it and it's, remains a call out. Um, so to anyone listening, if you have anything you want to share, Please do. But essentially, I asked people to chat search some buzzwords, which I knew would bring up all sorts of messages. So things like the word nude, the word pick, the word frigid, ugly, slut, slag. You know, I hope it's okay for me to say these words, by the way. It <laughs> is. <laughs> you should not worry (laughs) you are so you're very welcome on this platform to speak your mind spirit soul and all the swear words and we can't shy away from these words because if we start censoring them it censors the conversation exactly so so yeah I asked people to have a look through what came up on their Facebook search or their WhatsApps when they when they typed that those words in. And then, yeah, the messages just came flooding in of all different types of things like rape threats all through to just slut shaming or coercing into people sending pictures by, you know, trying to say that 
they're frigid or they're lesbian or they're fat if they don't send pictures, um, right through to now we have evidence of domestic abuse, which is incredibly worrying. But oh I do gosh. edit out any names. And so it's all anonymized. I just ask for the name of the school and then I post it online and I tag the schools in the pictures and in the comments so that then it appears on their Instagram whenever people search for, for their, <laughs> their school. <laughs> uh, and it's also a way of, it's kind of acting as a deterrent I've heard that some boys are like rapidly deleting pictures off their phone because they know that they're going to be screenshotted and I want it to be that way but it's also a bit sad that it takes like worrying about your reputation to be the one thing that kind of stops you from you know online harass someone in the first place why can it not just be that it's a ridiculously horrible thing to do but it's baby steps I think reputation is something really key to hone in on there. This is what I've been struggling with. It's the kind of denial within like parents. I found, oh, you know, my son would never be like that. Sorry, I would hope that you don't know your son in a sexual setting. And (laughs) got different personalities, different ways of behaving in every situation, the same way any human does. And Mm. so you just know what he's like in the bedroom. Can't comment on that. And it's dangerous to, to go into the sort of denial stage. I think it's really important that you know, everyone kind of assesses their role in this. Like, it, it's all of our, our job to eradicate rape culture. And and I hope that that kind of lands with your listeners and, and with people as well. Well, I bloody hope so. It's such a pervasive and incredibly complex topic, rape culture, which I'd like to go on to in, in a hot sec. But I just before we get there, um, just because I want to understand. So we've spoken about screen grab them which is so fabulous. I think the concept is brilliant. And also I live for the idea that (laughs) when people are going on Instagram before they're sending their kids to the school and they see that, (laughs) it's very badass. I live for it. I live for the drama in the best way possible. People need to air their dirty laundry out to see because, you know, that's your little one that you're sending off and it's important to make them aware. But Having spoken about screen grab them, can I please ask you a bit more about Defend Her? So I know you are a fab boxer, (laughs) but I want to know what is Defend Her? I can have assumptions from the title, but please tell me. So Defend Her, um, I set up literally before any of this, actually. This was my sort of guinea pig. After Sarah Everard's death, I think that really kind of hit home for a lot of, of women, certainly for myself, living very very close to her and walking that route home and feeling like she did everything right um she wore running shoes she walked in brightly lit areas and yet she was still victim to most abhorrent attack it it troubles me that you know you go throughout life having such a high percentage of, of risk towards danger it's one in three women now who will be sexually or physically assaulted globally so if that's a reality, it troubles me that there are no mechanisms in place to protect women against that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, for myself, what my own case of, of sexual harassment, I, my first one that I can remember, I, I was held in a chokehold. So I thought to myself, like, if, if I had been taught how to escape a chokehold at school, I would be one sexual harassment case down. And it's such a simple thing. Self-defense as part of PE is the most simple fix to this. And, you know, you go throughout school learning the ins and outs of a leaf. Like I can tell you all about photosynthesis. I can't tell you where the male pressure points on the body are, which is arguably one of the most important things 
to know when walking the streets at night. So Defend Her was set up as an initiative to um, help women feel safer on the streets by providing free tips from self-defense experts about Krav Maga and how to protect yourself. So I am a boxer, as you mentioned, and I personally have felt the feeling of empowerment after learning combat skills you just feel so much more I don't know like yeah confident on the streets it's so important and if women just know such simple things like I'm trying to post the most um, easily accessible type of information for women just to take and be like oh that's a useful thing I'm going to save it to my camera I'm going to save it and look back at that and and hope that you know women can use it to their benefit and the types of things are are really simple like the common myth about using your keys I know it well (laughs) the keys in between your knuckles okay so that's actually wrong it's ineffective and it actually will end up in you blunting your knuckles and, and scarring yourself what you should actually do is take the keys and hold them all in one and keep one key out at the side and then use it to jab in a vulnerable area. So I, I've put like diagrams of stuff like that up on the Instagram and it's things like that, which I think are, are actually like tangible and useful things to, to help better protect women. That is so important and so valuable for society so number one thank you for setting that up (laughs) and number two I'm I'm so sorry about you even having to have had one experience of sexual violence so I'm really sorry that that's happened to you it's sad to say but I'm not surprised just as I'm not surprised at the statistic of 97%. Um, Mm. I should probably also say at this point here, we have a commonality in the sense that I'm also privately educated. So I was at a mixed school and we didn't talk so much at my school about it at the time, but there are things that I look back at and I go, ooh, that's questionable. And, and like, it's important to note that it's not just privately educated, it's not limited to private education. No. The reason targeted that was because, A, they have the funding and the resource to provide the best support possible when you're paying £44,000 a year, Ethan, you'd think that at least some of that could go towards the very simple lesson of respecting women. So, you'd think? Yeah, but also that in state education... Um, they are legally required to partner with the police and have workshops on consent. And then there's just none of that in private education. So that's why I targeted them uh, like in the first instance in my letter. But I've now opened up screen grab them and, and like it's all types of schools because this is pervasive throughout society. It's not limited to private education, but I think the school sector has a lot to answer for in terms of the lack of education around sex education and all of, all of that really. Genuinely, did the female orgasm exist at school or was it just something that people spoke about in whispers? <laughs> oh my God, just like uh, I was taught the only sex ed lesson I can remember was a geography teacher showing me how to put a condom on a cucumber um, which is uh, now that I'm lesbian it's, it's become the most un- unuseful thing I could have learned the one thing that they taught me is <laughs> useless. so I mean yeah and that was it so no talk of consent and this is what I've been campaigning for with the government and in, in our meetings is like better education and um you know self-defense and a lot of other things which I'm sure we'll go into yeah all of it it's it's interesting when you try to unpack it it's actually it's not just one big suitcase it's at least 
I don't know, a truckload of suitcases, <laughs> plastic bags, then bags you've forgotten about. And then, you know, a delivery that's late into the van that you've forgotten about. It's just, it is the most complex system to unpack. So that kind of leads me on really. There's a lot of language that we have spoken about just at top line level. I know that you've mentioned toxic masculinity rape culture. I just think it's good to actually understand what these things mean in context of this conversation. So just from where you're coming from, using this to kind of this language to describe violence against women, what is rape culture? Like what is, what actually is it for anyone that potentially hasn't heard that phrase or isn't too familiar with it? Yeah, so rape culture is a term which is used to cover all forms of harmful, misogynistic, sexist behaviour and attitudes which have been normalised in society. So that covers all sorts of different forms of um, sexual harassment and abuse. So things like stealthing, you know, taking off a condom in the middle of sex without permission, upskirt, mm-hmm. u- use of derogatory language, image-based abuse. So now we understand what rape culture is. What is slut shaming? Because I think they're both very interconnected, but they do mean different things. Yeah. Well, slut shaming is the very simple act of um, shaming a woman for her choice, her free choice to use her body how she pleases. I think that that is quite pervasive as well. Obviously, when a woman is sleeping with with multiple men, it is slut shaming. It's she's a slag, she's dirty, she's a whore. But when a man's doing it, it's you know, oh, he's a lad, he's the alpha, he's he's the guy I, I like aspire to be. That's really dangerous to start, you know, treating men and women differently. I will go on a bit of a ramble here, so please stop me. But the whole premise behind feminism, people think that it's like man hating and like women, and it, the concept of feminism is equal rights for both sexes. And that's all we're asking for. We're just asking to be considered on the same plane as men here. So in the same way that men have agency to sleep with with they like without feeling guilty or dirty for it, we would ask the same thing and the the same understanding that we can use our bodies how we please. Bloody retweet, honestly. Honestly, (laughs) if anyone ever tries to tell me that lock and key analogy, a woman's vagina is essentially paralleled or compared with a lock. And obviously lots of different keys don't fit. So it can't be unlocked. It, It can only have one key. And if a man has a key and there's lots of different locks out there... Oh can my unlock. god, that is horribly anachronistic and just so backwards that I just delete, <laughs> unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, press unfollow. Seriously, <laughs> um, I don't remember. If I'm honest, it's just some. Again, it's just one of those cultural things that I've clearly taken in as osmosis, linking very nicely back to our plant discussion. Really. <laughs> yes, um, love we love it interior uh, cytoplasms and all that bollocks that I was oh yeah that's it really key information for the rest of your life oh yeah oh yeah absolutely I mean I see a leaf right now and I'm like oh I know that I know that like the back of my hand I know you inside out I (laughs) I could tell you your makeup but I can't tell you how to escape a man on a street oh it's a it's an injustice it truly is. is You've 
clearly spoken to so many women that have revelations that are obviously incredibly sensitive and it's so brave to speak and share your story without going into crazy amounts of detail if you're happy to do so could you just sort of give me some examples of the types of messages that you've received um, during your time for screen grab them yeah it's been a weird one because there's been so many messages and like I just I'm not shocked by the content, which is really sad. I find myself just being perpetually unsurprised because it really resonates with me or I've seen it before, I've seen it happen to my friends. But the types of things really vary from literally outright rape threats. So someone saying, you know, I'm going to rape you on summer camp to coercing girls into pictures by saying you're fat, you need to prove that you're not fat by sending me a picture to messages that really kind of encapsulate the sort of dangerous entitlement that comes with privately educated boys that I've been talking about, where they grow up thinking that they're the bee's knees, that everything else is below them. So messages saying, you know, how dare you reject me, you're scum, I'm God, I'm a handsome Italian, you're a fucking slag, and and think just like online hate. And then you have apps like Wagalit, which was set up at Bristol, where I um, went to university, where this is an app that was set up where you can anonymously post questions and people vote on the answers. So boys would write questions like, what does Zan want more? Her hymen to regrow, to be fucked up the arse, or to be one of the lads, and then people vote on the answers. Or, you know, you have cases where they literally would screenshot our profile pictures and say, who's got a better body? And then people rated them. That and happened? Yes, that was pervasive um, throughout uni culture. I think that wasn't just limited to Bristol. I think that was quite a few different unis where that happened. And a similar app called uh, Yik Yak. That, that was the same concept. I've heard uh, that one. To the point where there were so many derogatory messages made about one of the economics lecturers that she walked into class and said, because of everything going on and the things that you've been saying about me, I won't be teaching you for the rest of the term. And they had to do online learning. So there you go. That's what those finance boys get. Um, <laughs> you know what? Good for her. Honestly, yeah, good for her. Yeah, good for her. So yeah, it really varies, but there's been a lot of disgusting send me a picture of your boobs and I'll rate them out of 10 just like did I ask you know it just comes down to sorry like did I ask no obviously not why do you think you have the audacity to ask me such a question I I mean it's astonishing (laughs) it's so hard like unbelievable and to the point where like there was a recent case of domestic abuse where a girl had um been chat searching her these buzzwords and she was in an abusive relationship with an Etonian boy and you can see her saying like you strangled me you spat on me you punched me you're ruining my life like please stop and then he's replying with you're a dirty slag you brought it upon yourself you're lucky to be with me Uh, and things like that which are you know they they do just take your breath away um And luckily now I am in contact with Ofsted who are um, looking into all the different pictures. And after my meeting with the government, they had said that, you know, the pictures and screen grab has been really enlightening for them because, you know, you often talk about these concepts such as toxic masculinity and dangerous entitlement. It's hard to visualize until you see it staring at you in a screenshot which you just, you can't ignore that. So, yeah. and, and I would urge people if, if they have any more messages or anything that, that they feel they, they want to share, to, to share it with the account so we can continue to hold schools accountable. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so messed up. I feel right now my blood, it's a good thing, but 
I am just seething. My blood is boiling. And I think this sense of male entitlement is just the most frustrating thing. Sadly, I can also say I've had experiences of non-consensual stuff happen to my body. Mm. Uh, I remember when I was 16, a guy literally just looked at me. I was talking to him and he literally got his hands, grabbed my boobs. And I oh, like, I didn't know what to do. I think I, I, feel, I have a feeling I, I slapped him actually. Good for um, you. I mean, yeah. you know, but like, that's just awful. I'm so sorry, but good for you for... for what I mean by that is realizing in the moment that's bad because for a lot of women, for myself at least, I laugh these things off and I'm really annoyed at myself now. Mm. I don't blame myself because we weren't, I wasn't brought up with feminist beliefs all throughout school. So how are you supposed to know that actually you're allowed to stand up for yourself? I know, but you know, the thing is though, the really sad thing that I noticed now as an adult about how I immediately processed it afterwards is in my head. I thought I brought it on because I was wearing a skimpy Minnie Mouse outfit. So God, this is it. This is shame culture. Yeah. People ask why, why is it taking you so long to come out about this? And why, why don't you think when more women are coming forward? Because historically when women come forward, they are slut shamed. They are ridiculed. They're told that they brought it upon themselves as victim blaming going on and it's not safe. And also the percentage of cases that end with a successful decision to actually, um, you know, prosecute are, it's like below 10%. It's like painfully low. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Please don't, please don't. And to anyone listening, if you ever feel like you have brought, anything upon yourself just know that it is absolutely 100% never your fault you have Mm. a right to wear what you like you have a right to act in any type of way it's your body your body just keep remembering that and no one has any right to, to touch you without your consent or to say that you've brought anything upon yourself when you know it's the most basic human right this is our body this is so it's just to me it's so simple it's so simple this is my body And if you want to touch it, you need to ask for consent. That has been completely flat out ignored. The history of sex education and the history of society, like in in conversation in society, it just, it blows my mind. Yeah, it really does. It's interesting to touch on there. You know, you speak about the law and people coming forward who have undergone a really unpleasant experience. When you think about it at university, I mean, obviously we're, we're speaking specifically about schools here. But I think it actually extends into that because, you know, you're suddenly dropped into this culture where there's a lot of booze, there's a lot of alcohol, but there is this massive melting pot of substances that is actually weaponized and used as an excuse to ensure that really unpleasant and bad behavior goes unchecked. And it's absolutely outrageous. And I think at universities, it's a huge problem because people have that sense of freedom. They're away from the family home. It's like a, you know, free for all. And it's awful because especially, you know, when you're starting to make friends, especially in freshers, you know, those first couple of months, you don't want to be that person that goes and says, oh, this happened to me because you just don't. You know, you just want to make friends 100%. And this is why I was targeting universities as well, because where I went, Bristol, in the first week of freshers, we had this ridiculous video likening consent to a cup of tea. I don't know the video. (laughs) The most British thing ever. You know, if you want to talk about sex, just say the word sex. 
Um, <laughs> pathetic. It's like, oh, if she's unconscious, don't offer her a cup of tea. Like, I'll be that dumb. Yeah. Um, but like that, and that was it. And it was almost that that was just a, a tick box of safeguarding. It's a very unregulated environment. It needs to have proper seminars every week and just checking in. And you need to have people, particularly in the halls of residence, that you can go to and, and, and talk to about these sorts of things. And, and if something happens and there just needs to be a web of support for victims because sadly a lot of these sexual harassment um, cases are happening at university level because boys haven't learned at school. So they've just continued no. behaviour and, and it's exacerbated. So I'm going to ask you another question. You've spoken about having a screenshot there. I guess it's quite literally a receipt, right? When you can go in and show... Uh, government officials what's actually going on what role does social media have in the current day in perpetuating violence against women and also what role does it have in preventing violence against women Mm. so it's actually quite scary that the role that social media has in in these campaigns isn't it and the way that it can be both good and bad obviously the rise of technology has only kind of brought with it new forms of harassment like the apps that I was talking about and you know the accessibility and the propensity to increase you know image-based violence and revenge porn so that is a major part of how it's kind of exacerbating the problem as well as you know you've got the, this rise of trolls like people who make it their main aim to go and troll celebrities on the internet or to troll literally anyone and I think that that is something that is really potentially dangerous in so many ways that is something that I, a new a new thing that we're having to deal with that you know mm-hmm the rise of the internet and social media this is just not something that people had on their radar whatsoever but having said that it is also kind of exciting the way that once you understand all of that and you see social media for its advantages as well in the sense that we're now able to start campaigns and kind of reach loads more people than we could in the past and share knowledge and share information really easily as well as the fact that you know with screen grab them you have a bank of experiences that you can use as receipts as evidence to back up what you're saying because it's right there all you need to do is chat search it as well as with social media I I think that people now are using their phones to document things when they see it like the mm-hmm. other day I um I actually had a boy who was asking me you know fair enough he's trying to, to sort of ask for help and and he's got good intention so he, he was witnessing sexism and harassment and he videoed it and he sent it to me and he asked me like what what should I have done differently in this situation um and I really appreciate that he's trying, but what he should have done differently is is probably like act in that moment um, rather than film it. But actually, you know, now he does have that as evidence. And if ever he wanted to use that, send it to the press. Like this is how you start a campaign. This is how you drive engagement. So it's about understanding all the different nuances and trying to see it for, for what it is, which is both both the good and the ugly. And do your best to try and shape, try and channel all the ugly in, into the good. That's what I'm trying to do is, is I've got a lot of anger, but I'm just trying to channel it into activism. That's just the best thing, though, because 
you've got two really tangible platforms and I think the fact that you can see advice and you can see the receipts of violence against women it's fantastic that those exist as a document for society I mean it's brilliant thank you for doing that I think there'll be so many people that are benefiting from the work that you're doing but I know that you know setting up and running these things there's a lot of emotional labor that goes with that and especially with activism it's hard to take all of that on so I'm just in awe so well done so impressive meeting a lot of chocolate (laughs) (laughs) well chocolate is great and then what I want to ask you as well obviously you are not just coming on to educate but you're also speaking to massive media outlets and you are going and speaking to important people so can you just sort of talk to me about that aspect of it what's that been like navigating it because I know we've spoken previously about people potentially not necessarily believing you or having their doubts can you just talk to me a bit about that yeah so with the influx of press and in the beginning when I wrote my open letter I found it overwhelming not the kind of not the interest, but I found it overwhelming how many of them were purely looking for a new angle or a new development um, and not just wanting to talk about the story because of the fact that it's inherently important. So I found that difficult to begin with. Yeah, now I'm trying to use it to, to my advantage and get to the people that actually can make a difference. Yeah. Um, so I emailed pretty much every MP in the government, I think, for like a month. And finally, I uh, got through to the Department of Education and we had a meeting last week, which was really really successful and off the back of that and my emailing um they said that they they want me to come in and and meet the ministers and and chat to them which is so exciting I cried I cried and I was like oh my god I'm not even afraid to to cry here because it's been a lot of pent-up energy and I just I want to see it go somewhere so yeah I'm really looking forward to actually just giving all of my shit to them Given my actions, hoping that, that they action it. I think that's amazing. And I, firstly, well done. That's incredible. And that's such great evidence that if you make some noise about something and you hold people accountable and you call out bad behaviour that is pervasive in society, you know, it's it's proof that things do happen. So it's great. You were just saying about giving practical advice as to how to kind of improve the situation, violence against school kids, but also I know it goes above and beyond that what advice do you have what what are you going to say yeah so I've actually got pretty good at it now because I've been meeting with the heads of these schools like Eton, Tunbridge St Paul's um over the last week and and taking them the actions for their school so I feel like I know what I'm talking about so I've divided it up into different categories so the first is to reform sex education and it's just one part of PSHE of, of RSE, which is one part of PHSE, which is just, it's not enough. It's, mm-hmm. You touch upon once a term or once a year sometimes, and schools have a lot of flexibility, parents have the right to withdraw. It needs to be completely reformed. It needs Sex education needs to be a standalone subject in the curriculum. Boys need to be tested on consent, and it needs to be mandatory. I mean, there's no option to cut any corners. And it's such a big subject that it, it needs its own whole curriculum because as you say there's so much to unpack um so firstly I'm looking to reform the school curriculum and then I'm looking to reform the zero tolerance I'm I'm trying to campaign for a zero tolerance policy within schools 
So that means that misogyny is literally likened to like smoking on campus. As soon as you overhear someone say something, it's an immediate sanction. So it needs to be this situation where everybody is trying to speak up against it. We have to have the speak up campaign. And coupled with that, the sanctions need to be appropriate, an appropriate deterrent. So currently, when a boy says something like some sort of um, offensive speech they will be put into detention and then you know normal detention is like writing out lines or just doing something boring the detention needs to be that you are made to watch a documentary about a victim of sexual assault or you're made to read Laura Bates's book on everyday sexism or you're made to get involved in a feminist charities project these are the things that will teach boys and actually make them learn and stop that behavior from repeating itself so i'm working on a rehabilitation program to be implemented within schools and then as well as that i'm trying to campaign for more better accessibility for victims to come forward at the moment it's just too much to try and ask girls just to go straight to a member of the safeguarding team because actually 91% of sexual assault is by someone that you know. So you're already battling a lot there and coming forward about your own mates. So I'm trying to campaign to have things like online chat forums or these apps, the safeguarding apps, which you download and you can just disclose something in real time in confidentiality and just creating that ease of access so that actually more women do come up and more women are speaking up against what's going on um, and just taking away that aspect of fear. And then as we already spoke about, I'm, I'm trying to also push for self-defence in PE, but we'll see how that one goes. I don't know. They've already debated it in Parliament and said no. So I'll keep trying. <laughs> I love that. I think it's great as well to actually visually see that and how that would intersect with the current curriculum. Because looking back, I mean, we fully needed that. And I think going forward, everybody needs to learn that it's just not okay to actually think that you can treat women like that. And it all starts from such a young age. And I mean, look, it's just, it's not binary. There's so many things that intersect with it and it's really complex and it's messy and it's uncomfortable to talk about because yeah. people are realizing that they've probably done things that were bad in the past. And it's about, you know, facing up to that. And it's, it's quite a lot to face up to, but do you then want future generations to go through those same experiences? When you're a parent and do you don't, I mean, it doesn't even, it shouldn't even come down to this, but just, to put it into perspective, it's like when you pack up and you send your little one, well, who's probably not so little, at 18, drop them off in their halls of residence. Do you want to leave that door knowing that your daughter is unsafe? 100%, I completely agree. In terms of outside of the classroom, what can everyday people do to help end violence and harassment against women? I think that I've spoken a lot about the government's responsibility and the school's responsibility but actually it's all of our responsibility to tackle rape culture and it's, it's on parents to have conversations with their sons it's on our, us and calling out our mates at dinner parties like it's those everyday moments where actually you hear someone say something that's really quite derogatory and because it's your mate and because it's a nice dinner party you don't want to say anything because it's awkward but actually in those moments that is when you're making real change and deconstructing someone's sexist beliefs and helping them to educate them about why it's wrong and to stop that behavior from repeating. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I would just echo what I said earlier and just speak up, 
really speak up speak up and challenge as much as you can particularly for men really just try and look into what it means to be an ally and, and calling out your mates and for women don't be a bystander don't sit there and, and let your friends chat shit about girls in the most disgusting way at a dinner party or don't let your mate just um slut shame your your friends and and, and also don't let your girls your girl mates feel alone in this if you're at parties if you're in a situation where there's alcohol involved just look after each other drop someone in their bed don't just you know let them walk home alone like it's a dangerous world out there and we've got to support each other so yeah I think the emphasis there is on speaking up challenging and supporting in the best way that you can those would be my three main kind of takeaways and I think they are three very important and very valuable takeaways and I think that's a really great way to kind of round up the lesson so thank you so much San you have absolutely given me that zest of feminist but also just human anger in the best way possible (laughs) and I just hope that everybody who's listening right now women guys however you identify I don't care I really hope that this conversation has just totally filled you with that same sense of rage and I hope like Zan that you can challenge that and channel it into really practical and brilliant ways to make change in our society so thank you so much Zan you're a legend you are and all the listeners you are too and I believe in you can do this speak up all right thank you so much take care just so gripped by Zan's determination and I came away from our conversation just feeling incredibly inspired and proud that people are passionate to go out and make change in society. Since recording our podcast episode, Zan has met with ministers at the Department of Education to discuss her brilliant ideas in how to end rape culture in education. Screen Grab Them has been instrumental for ministers to actually understand the state of sexism and rape culture in the education system. This truly does show the power of collective voices, and if enough people make enough noise about a problem, closed doors will start to open one by one in order to enact positive change in government policy. Zan, I applaud you, and I cannot wait to watch your inspiring campaign unfold. And thank you so much for teaching such a brilliant and informative lesson. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode of Educate, please make sure you subscribe, review and share the podcast with a pal. If you or maybe you know someone who should teach a lesson on the platform, please make sure to slide into my DMs on educate underscore podcast on Instagram or Twitter. You can also reach Zan at Zan underscore moon underscore and make sure to follow her campaigns, screen grab them and defend her. Have a fab rest of the week and remember to stay educated. Stay educated.